Traffic Signals, a Signos podcast. This is season one, episode one, our premiere episode. Thanks for joining us on today's podcast. My name is Sharon Falakir Mercer. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Signos. Today, it's my pleasure to welcome Bill Tanser, our data and weight loss evangelist, as well as our chief data scientist. Thanks, Sharon. It's great to be here. He's written a couple books, one of which is called Click, What Millions of People Are Doing and Why It Matters, which even became a New York Times bestseller. He was the former SVP of data at Experian Hitwise and even wrote a column for Time Magazine. He's a former member of the faculty of the Stanford University Publishing Program. And if you've ever seen the hit ABC show 2020, an entire segment of the show was dedicated to Bill. And you can even see him on an episode of the HBO hit series, Silicon Valley. So Bill, just a little bit of background for our first podcast ever, since you'll be hosting from now on. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and also what is a data evangelist? Yeah, it's a great question. Data evangelist is something I kind of fell into. Uh, going back to my education, I got a degree in quant management from University of Florida. And uh, that's where my love of numbers started. I had a number of jobs, uh, including being a prosecutor, eventually going into tech, um, working at, um, at some ISPs, and then found my, myself at a company called Hitwise that analyzed uh, what people were doing on the internet. They had a big sample, about 10 million internet users US and 25 million worldwide. And based on this big sample of anonymized data, I started studying uh, what people do when they go online. What do they search for? What sites do they visit? The reason I was hired was mainly to help people with their SEO efforts. But as I started to dig into the data, I became addicted. And uh, I did come up with a bunch of tactical applications for this massive data set. One day I was looking at people searching for diets. It was the first blog post I ever wrote when I was at Hitwise, which was later acquired by Experian. And I just wanted to test this out. And I showed how people search for diets and the fact that diet searches spike on the first of every year. And those spikes that occur on January 1st only last for four days. And by January 5th, the volume of searches on diets drops dramatically. And it was amazing to see that that pattern really didn't vary from year to year. It told me there was something really um, unique that ran through all of us. If a pattern can persist like that, there's something deeper. And I started to talk about that versus all of these SEO tools that we had built. And from that, I think one of the people I worked for at the company said, you're really a, an evangelist for data. And that gave me the idea to, to coin the term data evangelist, which is something that uh, I did for uh, over 10, 12 years at, uh, at Hitwise and then Experian. Great. Uh, well, tell us a little bit about how you got involved with Cygnos and uh, CGMs and glucose for weight loss. So uh, Sherman and I go way back. I advised his last company, which is now called Inclusive. And uh, I moved down to Los Angeles a couple of years ago. And I was up in San Francisco to go, go to a conference and had the opportunity to have dinner with um, Sharon. He, uh, he's a foodie like me. And we went out to have a pizza at this great pizzeria. I forget the name of it. Do you remember? I don't. I wish I did, no. actually. <laughs> oh, man. If I had a continuous glucose monitor on me at that point, 
as Sharon was ordering pizza and bread and slathering the bread with butter. And then he insisted on, on ordering dessert and had me finish the entire dessert. I would have been, I'm thinking in the mid two hundreds, maybe 300, by the end. <laughs> but we were both talking about things that we were working on. I don't, um, we talked a little bit about uh, how I, I'd lost some weight, but I really wanted to lose more. And I don't even think I even told you at the time that I was looking for a way to get a CGM. I've been reading about these biohackers. I had read that um, Tim Cook was wearing one around the Apple campus. And I was trying to find one, but it seemed like just a lot of work to go through. But I wanted the data because... Um, in everything I do in my life, I surround myself with data. I've measured, I don't know if I ever told you this, but I've weighed myself every single day over the last 10 years. And I have a graph um, wow. that's 10 years long. Um, I measure my heart rate when I exercise. I, I really wanted to get this insight into blood sugar because I thought I could really advance um, my weight loss journey if I, if I had that kind of data. And then I think in a call that we had, a month or two after we had that dinner, you mentioned this startup that you were working on. And I was like, oh my God, I need to be a part of this. So that's how, that's really how we got started. So tell us a little bit about your personal weight loss journey, because if I'm hearing this for the first time, I'm thinking, okay, you have not struggled with your weight at all because you've been measuring it every single day for the last 10 years. You actually have a personal weight loss journey that you've gone through. Why don't you tell us about it? Yeah, I um I have struggled with my weight. I I would say that I've got an emotional tie to food. I grew up in a family where food is love. And um not only that food is something you eat. I, I guess this is a um maybe a habit I picked up in school. Uh food's something you eat when you're stressed, food is something you eat when you're bored. And so even though I had a lot of data, I still had trouble breaking that, that emotional tie that I, I had with food. Um my weight, I think I topped out around 210 at one point. And I went to see the doctor. And this is after doing a cardiac calcium scan of my heart. And he said, well, you really need to, you need to weigh what you did in high school. And I called my mom right after seeing the doctor. I said, mom, what do I, what do I weigh? And it's amazing. This is where I get my love of numbers. My mom said 179 pounds. I was like, wow, I didn't know that you would know exactly what I weighed. Does that seem uh, that's, like that's a, a long time ago. Does that seem like an unrealistic request from the doctor though, to get Absolutely. your high school weight? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. At two, you know, coming in at 200, 210, uh, that seemed like I wasn't going to be able to get there. Um, I had gotten down into the 190s, but going all the way down to 179, that seemed like difficult challenge and you've been kind of going up and down it sounded like through that journey from yeah and maybe in the show notes in the show notes i'll put a um a screenshot of my graph of the my weight loss it's a roller coaster it it literally just looks like a sine wave actually um from you know 10 years ago to uh to like april of this last year of going up and down up and down up and down yeah yeah it's tough i mean so many people have gone through this yeah. But you know, I, t- I took it hard. His, his saying, you, you need to lose this weight because uh, your calcium score puts you in a very high percentile, higher risk for having some kind of um, cardiovascular issue. Uh, you would be best served to, to get that weight down. 
And so I, I tried harder, but still I couldn't break, like I got around 190 and I wasn't getting much lower. And that's, uh, that's right before April, right before I put on the first um, continuous glucose monitor and opened up the Cygnos app. So at that point, tell us a little bit, how does Cygnos use glucose data and, uh, and other available data sources if they're available? Yeah, so first of all, um, CGM, continuous glucose monitor, this is just a little device that's uh, placed on your body. I put it on my stomach and it's got this microfilament that measures your interstitial fluids and uh, there's actually glucose circulating in those fluids, just like it is in your blood. And that device comes up with an estimation of uh, what your blood glucose is. We call it glucose measurement. Um, it's not the actual blood glucose, but it's, it's just that interstitial fluid very, very close. So that's the device. The Cygnos um, platform and this is, is how all CGMs work, what you just described. Yeah, all CGMs work that way. Well, there's a difference. You, you have to be careful. There's a lot of them that are flash glucose monitors that you actually have to pass a phone over to get a reading. Um, and a lot of those devices, you get readings every 15 minutes, but you got to remember to wave your phone over the device. This is an actual, the one that we're using is an actual continuous glucose monitor. It's sending a, um, a reading every five minutes to the phone. So you're getting uh, a higher resolution of data and you also don't have to remember to scan it, which is a big deal, especially for things like sleep. Cause I think with a lot of flash monitors, you have to scan every eight hours. If you're sleeping over that, you might lose a ton of data. So, so this is a CGM that's part of the, the platform. The other part is the software and the application that uh, we've been building and the software uh, has some components that um, depend on uh, AI, artificial intelligence, and machine learning to take all the data that's being gathered, all that glucose data, and along with it, if you're wearing uh, a fitness monitor, an Apple Watch, it's taking heart rate data. We're asking you for food logs, so it's uh, taking stock of what you're eating and all of the macro components of the things that you're eating where uh, if, if it's available, we're getting sleep data, all of that's combined into this, um, this algorithm that's being generated by the, the machine learning engine to come up with suggestions that we can make for you in terms of what foods you can stay away from or what foods you can substitute for other foods, how you can uh, integrate exercise into your day to minimize uh, blood glucose spikes, because that's what, what, um, really is the, the great thinking behind this solution is, is that if we can uh, dampen those spikes to your blood glucose, we can keep your body from releasing insulin, which, take, which takes some of that, that sugar that's circulating in your bloodstream, that glucose, and we'll take it and store it into fat. If we can minimize the times that your insulin spikes and the degree it spikes, we, we really believe based on the science that we can help you lose weight. And as a role, I've, I've been wearing this uh, since April. So I, I was at 190. I had still in my head, the doctor saying you need to be down to, according to my mom, 179 pounds. I think it was within, it was like three and a half weeks. I had hit 178 and then I got all the way down to 170. Now I'm, I'm actually using this device to help to build muscle. And so my weight's gone a little bit up. It's like 175 right now, but my, my um, body composition 
my body fat percentage is dropping. So I'm getting more lean muscle. I'm feeling fitter. I've, I'm feeling the best that I've felt since high school. And I think a lot of it has to do with controlling blood sugar. And I should add here that I didn't lose that weight through calorie restriction. I didn't um, really cut back on the amount of food I was eating at all. I just changed what I was eating. And it felt pretty effortless. It actually, it wasn't just effortless. For me, it was fun. I got addicted to the graph that's in the Cygnos app, seeing what my glucose measurement was at any particular time, and then seeing what would happen after I ate a meal, and then having the power to play with what was in that meal and change a few things and see if I could make the glucose measurement a little bit lower the next time and then a little bit lower the next time. I didn't, I didn't feel like I was on a diet because I wasn't on a diet. What I was doing was making lifestyle changes. What, um, what one of our, our co-founders talks about Dr. Dixon micro changes. I was making these little teeny micro changes in what I was eating and that was it. It, it, um, I think it was in the first couple of days of, of using this that I called you up. And at first I said, I wanted to be an advisor to Cygnos that I, I called you. I said, no, no, I want to work full time. Put me in. <laughs> I, I am in, uh, because I, I think this is really, this is a paradigm shift. So much has been written about diets and we're so obsessed as a society about diets no one has really given us a way to make lifestyle changes that don't feel painful. And this doesn't feel painful at all. In fact, in fact it, it feels empowering. And um, yeah, I, I've gone off track, but I'm, no, pretty passionate. I'm uh, very passionate about this topic. No, I, I, look, I, I've had a, I mean, all of us uh, at the company have gone through this. Um, you know, my own personal weight loss journey mimics yours a little bit in terms of I've been up and down and up and down for various parts of, of my life. And, you know, when I lost my uh, 30 pounds using this, um, I had a similar experience. Uh, but I think the the thing that's that's quite interesting is your, your, your talk about the, the hope people have when they go through a weight loss journey. And you actually wrote a part of your book on this, um, I remember a chapter in Click about weight loss in particular. Yeah, I forgot to mention weight, uh, Click. Um, I wrote a book back when I was at uh, Experian. This was part of my data evangelism. Is I decided to take uh, all these stories I collected and uh, put them into a, a book, which uh, which did really well. And <laughs> Bill's very modest. It actually was a New York Times bestselling book. <laughs> it, it did well. <laughs> Thank you. I, I didn't want to say that. <laughs> Sound like I was bragging. Um, the, I think it was the sep- second chapter in the book. I talked about this concept of false hope syndrome. And, and it was about what I had seen in that um, New Year's resolution data. But then digging a little deeper to find just how people search for diets and how people were looking for quick fixes to their weight loss problem, um, they weren't looking for lifestyle changes at all. In fact, I remember from looking at the data, the searches for diets, I think, 
was double or triple any searches around exercise around New Year's. People didn't want to put in an effort. They just wanted to lose the weight. And every year that I analyzed the data, it would go from, you know, lose 10 pounds in 30 days to lose 10 pounds in 10 days to lose 10 pounds in the next 10 minutes. It, it just became more and more unrealistic. There's a uh, this phrase of false hope syndrome that was coined by a professor at University of Toronto. She did a, 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 um, a couple of experiments, but what she found was that this repeating pattern every year of people looking for diets and then failing at them created the syndrome where they kept coming back every year to try these fad diets. And what she found was that people entered uh, a diet with unrealistic expectation. They actually achieved something in the very beginning, and it usually was attributed to uh, weight loss from from water weight loss. And uh, then the diet would fail because they'd either fall off, it was too restrictive, or that um, water loss was no longer something that showed up on the scale, and they abandoned the diet. And they were just repeating this pattern year after year after year expecting to get some change. And like I've said before, this is probably one of the most important points to me is that Cygnos is not a diet and will never be a diet. It's about lifestyle change. It's about making a permanent change uh, that is a bunch of steps, micro steps that you can take, changing little things about what you eat and how you exercise and how you deal with stress and get better sleep and all of those things together really help you lose weight and become healthier. Yes. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about your own uh, experience. Yeah. So the first one, I've told the story a bunch and I apologize uh, if anyone's heard this before, but the very first day I put on the sensor, I had what I'd been having for two years. I eat um, oatmeal. I eat it because I researched it. I went to a bunch of um, research papers that said that eating oatmeal, steel cut oatmeal without any added sugar um, and with a couple of additions, I found, uh, people recommended putting in some berries that don't spike your blood sugar, uh, banana, it's got good potassium fiber, uh, almond butter to add some fat. This whole combined thing was supposed to help me lose weight. And I'd been eating it for two years. So I put on that, that sensor. And the very first thing I saw after I ate uh, my first meal with this access, this continuous stream of of glucose data was that I spiked 187. Now, normally the, the normal range, um, what you want to keep your, your um, glucose in is around, you know, 80 to 120. When you eat a meal, maybe you might go up to 140 as, as long as you come down quickly. 187 is, is definitely something that's going to cause you to gain some weight. And I've been eating this exact same breakfast for two years. I thought it was an error, so I ripped the sensor off, and um, I called you, and you said, well, we've built this function into the app that actually will show you things like how you can use exercise to, um, to minimize that spike. If you just follow the app, you can just follow its prompts and do you know, a little bit of cardio after you eat, and, um, and that should fix it. So I put on another sensor. Next morning, ate the exact same meal as oatmeal with bananas, almond butter, flaxseed meal, blueberries. And right after I consulted the app, it said to do some cardio. It was actually a short cardio. It was 15 minutes getting my heart rate. I think it was between 
60, 70% of my max heart rate. And looking at the graph, there was no spike at all. It was completely flat. And I think that was the day I called you up and said, I want to go full time. And I mean, it's amazing two years to eat this, the exact same breakfast. And that was probably one of the things that was causing me to gain the most weight. And, and it's really kind of fascinating because I've told you this, but when I have oatmeal, I actually have the opposite glucose response. And it's a great example of, it's not that one is right or wrong. It's just that our bodies are so different. That is, I'm so glad that you mentioned that. There it was a, an article in Cell. Uh, it was a, a research study done from the Weizmann Institute in, in Israel where they had taken a, I can't remember the the N number of the participants, but it was a pretty large group of people. And they studied um, their, their blood sugar. They put CGMs on everybody and then they gave them different meals and they found that people responded completely differently, very differently to, to the same foods. And I think the examples they use were pizza and ice cream that you could take subject A, he spiked on pizza, but not on ice cream. Subject B did not spike on pizza, but did on ice cream. And I think that's one of the other things that makes this technology revolutionary is that we can really personalize our lifestyle changes. Um, we can find the foods that affect us the most. When I did the analysis on that bowl of oatmeal, it was the bananas that were causing the spike. So I had now two ways I could deal with that oatmeal. I could eat what I wanted to eat, which was that exact combination because I was kind of used to it or in exercise afterwards, or I could just remove the banana because of all the things in that bowl, that's the thing that had the most natural sugar. And so I can make that one little change. But what's interesting is that you might not spike at all. Like you, oatmeal doesn't affect you at all. Maybe bananas don't affect you at all. So when we tried to make lifestyle changes in the past, we could just go to um, all of these recommendations that averaged out how everyone responds to foods. And it's not the most efficient way to find the right triggers to get yourself on track for um, a very efficient weight loss journey. And your body changes uh, throughout this, as well as even on a on a daily basis, there are different factors uh, that occur, uh, whether it's sleep or stress or whatever it may be, that will affect your body's response to eating the same food. And we'll talk more about uh, other findings that you've had through that, but. Uh, I think it's important to, to bring that up that people are different, but you yourself would be different even on a daily basis. Yeah, absolutely. Um, th there are so many different examples that I could pull out on, on, on that. And again, I, I, I know I, I've made this point before, but it's, it's about that empowering feeling of knowing that I can personally make these little changes and see the results immediately versus what I did before uh, I started using Cygnos, which is just look at the scale every morning. So I'd go and I'd weigh myself, weigh myself the exact same time every morning because I'm kind of OCD like that. And if my weight went up, I don't know if it's because there was a lot of salt in the food and maybe I was retaining more water than normal. I didn't know what it was specifically in that day. Maybe because I didn't exercise that previous day that my weight went up. I just had to make some assumptions and it was I didn't really feel in control of what was happening, um, which is why maybe my weight did kind of go up and down over the years is that I didn't know which, which levers to pull to, to make the changes. 
Yeah, and it's tough because you know your normal diet plan will tell you to weigh yourself once a week. Um, so just by virtue of the fact that it sounded like you were doing all of the right things, and it's still difficult uh, to uh, to actually lose weight. And, and your personal journey um, going up and down, up and down, even doing all the right things that you thought were leading you towards that, it was still it still wasn't moving the needle. So yeah, and you know, the, one of the other changes that I made once I had on the, um, the CGM and I was using, using Cygnos is that I didn't realize how much I was snacking. Um, uh, if I'm looking at that, that graph and find myself upstairs and there's a bag of Trader Joe's cookies in the past, I would have started eating those just as a little snack and no idea how much those, those little cookies would spike my blood glucose. And I think I had one of them uh, just as a test after I put on, um, the CGM and I was up in the one eighties from one small cookie and I, I used to snack a lot. And now, you know, I, I mentioned emotional eating before. And, and this is the other thing that I think is very empowering about Cygnos is that sometimes I would just eat absentmindedly. It was like, just something I did to take a break. If I had worked a long period of time, I might go and reward myself by going upstairs and getting a cookie or, or eating something, you know, a couple of chips or something. I didn't really need that stuff. And now that I'm looking at my blood glucose, I'm realizing I'm, I'm not even that hungry. I'm just doing it because. And so another byproduct that I didn't even plan for was cutting out a lot of that snacking during the day because I was so focused on keeping my blood glucose nice and steady and flat in between meals. Love it. That's uh, that's great. Uh, so tell us a little bit about what has been your most surprising finding or your most surprising findings. So beyond that oatmeal, which was pretty surprising, <laughs> um, some fun things that we discovered one and there's actually some research studies on this, but uh, playing around with food order, and food combinations. Um, one of our advisors, uh, Paul DeToro, had sent around this slide deck, and he had mentioned that it'd be a good idea to try and eat some greens with an acid, and I use like a balsamic vinegar, wait 10 minutes, and then eat something carby and see how that might change your, your blood sugar. So on Sundays, my wife goes to the farmer's market down the street, and she gets these um, vegan croissants that are amazing. Don't let the word vegan scare you. These things are full of saturated fat. They're incredibly carby. And I would eat these every Sunday um, just because it was kind of like the one thing I allowed myself to do. And my blood sugar would spike like the oatmeal into the 180s. One Sunday after seeing Paul's deck and reading the research study that he had footnoted on that deck, I had some arugula with a balsamic vinegar about 10 minutes before eating the croissant. And when I did that, there was absolutely no spike whatsoever. And uh, this was exciting to me that I, you know, could still enjoy something like that and maintain my, my weight loss just by adding you know, a simple salad, some dark greens and an acid, like a vinegar, I, I could do something like that. So that was surprising. Other things I found surprising. I've been, paying close attention to my sleep. And if I had a poor night's sleep uh, the night before, food that I didn't spike on, I would spike on. Um, and I didn't understand just how important sleep was in maintaining a nice steady glucose level, but it is. 
another really interesting thing, and this is a kind of an experiment I ran. I like to do a lot of experiments on my, myself, kind of an N, N equals one kind of guy. So I would take that oatmeal that I'd now kind of fine tuned that, you know, I wouldn't get any spike whatsoever. I eat it at eight in the morning when I normally would. And then the next day I'd eat it at three in the afternoon. I was spiking moderate spikes at three in the afternoon, no spike whatsoever first thing in the morning and found some, some research that there is connection uh, with our circadian rhythms and our glucose levels and the body for some of us, it's not everybody, but the body usually um, is better equipped to handle carbs in the morning than it is in the afternoon. Um, we've heard a lot of, of, of advice about eating your bigger meals in the morning and then eating smaller meals at night. But um, for me, it was even more specific than that, that if I wanted to have something that had some carbs in it, better to front load that first thing in the morning. So uh, yeah, it's, it's all of that. And then, then, you know, what you mentioned before, the personal nature of the fact that we're all comparing notes. Um, I love working on this team because in our own little uh, office messaging app, we're all sharing screen grabs of the things that spike us and the things that don't. And what's so amazing to see is someone will have a food that I know never, ever spikes me and they're getting these massive spikes and I'll share something that spikes me and doesn't spike them. So it's, it's really that individual nature is fascinating and, um, and it's, it's, it's actionable. You can do something with it. Yeah. I mean, some of the stuff you're talking about, um, with the uh, croissants, for example, uh, to me, when I hear that for the first time, it just sounds crazy. Uh, and the fact that that works, uh, is pretty amazing. Uh, tell us what are some of the experience that your experiments that you're working on right now? Yes. There's a lot of different things that I'm, I'm working on. I'm always doing these, uh, end of one tests. Um, but then also for the company, just diving into the research and seeing if I can prove out some of the things that others have written about. I, I do a lot of hypothesis testing. So you know, the, the way I, uh, my mind works is let me come up with a hypothesis. I'll test on myself first, see if it works. If it does, then it's something in the future that will codify into the system and actually test with a large population, see if it works. And if it does, we, we launch. Um, so, you know, looking at things like um, how reducing stress can uh, can affect your glucose is, is a big one. Um, doing things like breath work and, and seeing if I can reduce stress by, uh, by doing breath work. I'm testing something right now called resonant breathing, which is using data again and a heart rate monitor and HRV to find just the exact breathing pattern that's perfect for me and seeing if I can bring uh, my, my heart rate variability um, up. And that means I'm for the most part, my stress level is coming down and then seeing how that affects my, my blood glucose. I have a lot of fun experiments too that I'm running. Like uh, I'll tease a, a little blog post we're going to be writing in the, the near future, but this idea of cephalic insulin response. I was listening to a podcast where uh, somebody had mentioned this research study that I, I found that hypothesized that just walking by a Cinnabon in a mall might make you fat because your brain's going to pick up on the smell and start to actually release insulin in expectation of you possibly eating that without you ever eating it. You're, um, you could still get that insulin spike. So I'm going to run some experiments on that and write about it in our blog. That's going to be coming up soon. 
And I'm also looking at different um, training zones right now, which I'm having a lot of fun with. One of the byproducts of getting involved with Cygnos is that I've become more and more fit and more interested in fitness just as kind of a natural result of doing this. So I, um, in the, this, this COVID age where I can't go to my gym anymore, I've got a rower in the basement and I decided that that was going to be my tool to stay fit during this time. And at first I would just get on and mindlessly row for, you know, 20, 30 minutes and then started to get better and better as my fitness improved. And then I started to actually make goals for myself in terms of times for 2K time trials. And now I'm, I'm running experiments as to how I can um, reduce my, uh, my body fat now that I'm at my target weight and increase my muscle mass by finding just the right heart rate zones to work at. And again, if these hypotheses prove true, like they do in the research, slowly we'll, we'll look at our sample of you of members and and look at their data and find if there's ways that we can launch these um these different things into the population and and help people really continue their journey and i just wanted to add in closing that i think i've been so fortunate to find the job here at cygnos it allows me to use my skills as a data analyst coupled with my passion for health and fitness and all the while getting fit at the same time and helping our members get fit also wanted to say that I'm just so excited to be hosting our Body Signals podcast going forward. I love it. This has been wonderful to have you on. Uh, even more excited to have you hosting the future podcast sessions. Uh, but just wanted to say thanks for sharing the story, coming on and, and telling us, uh, telling everyone all about uh, your background. Thanks, Sharon, and thanks everyone for listening to Body Signals, the Signals podcast. To learn more about Cygnos, please visit us at Cygnos.com, where you can find more great content, our blog, and show notes for this episode and future episodes. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and review us. We look forward to seeing you again next week.